your tender mercy and grace. We need your power and your glory, O God. We need your healing and your miracles, O God. We need you, God. We need you, God. We need you, God. We can't do it without you, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory and honor and majesty and power be unto your name. We honor your name, O God. We exalt your name. Hallowed be your name, O God. We lift up your name above every name, O God. O Lord, that you would shut the mouth of every individual, O God, that wants to use your name to curse and to swear. O God, your name is precious and mighty, Jesus. O that name has power to heal and deliver. That name has power to protect, O God, from harm and danger. That name, O God, is saving name, O God, the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. We can't make it through this life without you, Jesus. You're worthy, God. You're worthy, God. You're worthy, God. We take this time right now to tell you how much we love you, God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we need you tonight. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for life and health, O God. Thank you for your deliverance. Thank you for bringing us here safely on the streets and encamping your angels around about us, O God. Your angels are encamped around about those that fear you, God. That's what you said in your word, O God. We thank you for your angels tonight. We thank you for your angels tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. Matthew eighteen nineteen says, And again I again I say unto you that if two or three shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them that my fa- of my Father which is in heaven. And then verse 20 says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And those, are, those letters in the Bible are in red. So we know who said that. That's not just some cliche saying that we say because it sounds good. Because that's what we're supposed to say. But it is true. Jesus said it. Where two or three are gathered together in my name. Amen. Gathered together doesn't specify where. Doesn't specify what they're wearing. It doesn't specify anything. Just where two or three are gathered. And in those days, they didn't gather in a church. This is not what I'm teaching, by the way. But they didn't. They didn't gather in a building. They gathered in a house. They gathered in a cave. They gathered wherever they could. And we could be... He would be right there in the midst of us if we just gathered in a group in the middle of the mall and just started having a prayer meeting. He would be there with us. He would show up. And if you think about it, he's already there because God is everywhere. But then we bring the power of the Holy Ghost that's in each one of us into that situation, into that gathering, if you will. And so he's here tonight. 
And um, he intended for the, for those that are here to be here. And those that are not, that's between them and God. If If they feel like he told them to stay home, then who am I to judge that? There is sickness. There are things going on. And, and so God is in control, ultimately. God is in control. Amen? Sorry that our pastor is sick. So you all are left with me. Amen. But by God's grace and mercy, I'm going to say what he has sent me to say. I was going to teach on this last Wednesday, and I just felt the Lord impressing me to just bring this to this Wednesday. I I sought to see if he wanted me to teach something else, and I just felt like he let, led me back to this. And so this is what we're going to talk about tonight, a balanced relationship. A balanced relationship. So if we could turn in our Bibles tonight to the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 23. Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 23. Amen. Our relationship with Him is so vital and so important to everything that we do for the kingdom. Each one of us individually, as individuals, need to have that relationship and as a church, as a body, we need to have a relationship. Amen. You know, your the, the head, your head, your brain, is a, is an amazing thing. It's an amazing creation of God. It makes any supercomputer in this world today pales in comparison to what our brain can do. And so it controls our whole body. I'm just me walking around in here, holding this microphone up, talking. My brain is in control of all of that. And God's Spirit is, is leading me, but it's ultimately my, my brain is telling my legs to move and my hands to move. And, and so the, the body does what the brain tells it to. And the brain's there for when we smash our finger or we touch something hot to tell us, take your hand off of that, it's hot. And we listen to our brain. Don't we? You don't just keep holding your hand on that burner on the stove. You, you take it off of there because it hurts. Because your body sent, your brain sent your body a signal, pain, do something. And so Jesus Christ is our head. And we are the body. So that stands to reason, kind of, doesn't it, that we're supposed to be listening to the head. Not when we feel like it, but all the time. All the time. And there's people out there in this world that have diseases or whatever you call it where there's a disconnect between their brain and their body. And they can put their hand on a burner or in a freezer and they would never feel a thing. Because the signal doesn't get to the, from the brain to the, or vice versa. I don't ever want to get like that. I don't ever want to be disconnected from the head. Amen. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Keep thy heart, or your inner man, with all diligence. That's not this thing. That's, that's your inner man. That's who you are deep down inside. Keep it. Watch over it. Protect it. Guard it. For out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee froward, a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. 
Notice that it's on the individual to make a choice and make a decision. He's telling us, the, the, the writer of this proverb is telling us, you got to do it yourself. you got to put it away. you got to make a decision that I'm going to put some, fro- some stuff away that used to come out of my mouth. It's not going to come out of my mouth anymore. Let thine eyes look right on, and thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. So we're going to talk about having a balanced relationship. And in a, in a sense, that's what he's saying here. Keep your heart with all this. He's not saying do it yourself. This is not a do it yourself. Okay, God, I got the Holy Ghost. And I got baptized in Jesus' name. So I got, I got it from here. If I need you, I'll let you know. And that's what a lot of people do. They might not say out loud that's what I'm doing, but essentially their life, the, the way they live their life, speaks volumes of how they feel about that relationship with God. They, they feel like, I, I've got my life to live, and, and <clears throat> when I need you, I'll call you. And so they, they hardly ever talk to God, or they, they give Him an hour every day, and then the rest of the, the other 23 hours belongs to them. You know? And so... Uh, this salvation that we have is great. I remember when I got the Holy Ghost. I remember when I was baptized in Jesus' name in the East China Sea. I remember how it felt coming into this truth and having to basically forsake a lot of my friends in the world because they didn't want to come this way. And I remember that period of time where I felt kind of lonely. Because I really didn't know anybody in the church yet very well, but I didn't. So there was a there was a kind of a disconnect period of time, but I think that was part of God's plan. And as we grew in the body of Christ, we began to develop friendships within that body, and it and it just seemed to that those friends replaced the old friends, right? And actually, they became family. And and um, my church family to this day is much, I'm much closer to my church family than I am to any of my family back home. It's not the same. It's just, I know I'm going to be with, with, I'm hoping to be with all of y'all in eternity. I don't know if, I, I don't know if some of my natural family is going to make it, but that's between them and God. And that's why we're talking about relationship. <coughs> so, question for you is is this thing that this that this the writer of this proverb is this thing that he's asking us to do or instructing us to do is it a one-time event no some people in in apostolic circles and in pentecost treat it like it's a one-time event okay i got saved i'm good now and they just kind of coast you know, y'all know anybody like that? I know a lot of people like that. There's probably a lot more that I don't know that are living their life every day like that. Just kind of coasting. If, those of you that haven't driven, if you just take your car and put it in neutral as you're going down a hill, it'll just go as fast as gravity will take it. 
<laughs> and it might get out of control. But I don't want to coast. So it's an ongoing process then if it's not a one-time event. So even though I'm saved, as I heard one person say, I'm safe thus far. As of today, as far as I know, I'm still in good I'm in a good relationship with God. I hope I hope he feels that way. It's not about how I feel about it. I'm going to, of course, I'm going to have a more positive outlook on it. (laughs) But but having a positive outlook and having a good relationship are two different things. And so it's going to be important for us to have this relationship. And so why was the writer, why did he start out by saying, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. What is the big deal about the heart, about the inner man? That's, that's your inner being. That's your innermost feelings. That's, that's the seat of your emotions. That's the seat of where all your decisions are made. That, and so that, that area is important. And the, this writer must have known that. Because I think if it's the same guy I'm thinking of, he, he, he had some issues. Because he didn't keep his heart with all diligence, did he? No, he didn't. And so he's trying to help us here. And God's using this word and that man. And somebody wrote this down and it's here for us today to look at and to understand that we got to keep our heart with all diligence. Why is that? Why won't it just keep itself, Sister Linda? Why? I'm getting ready to answer that question right now. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 and 10. This is a good one to memorize. For yourself. As a little reminder to yourself, every day when you wake up, you don't have it. You you can't look up in God and say, I got this because of this scripture right here. It says the heart, that's that same word heart that we read in Proverbs. It's the exact same Hebrew word. The inner man. That heart, our heart, your heart, my heart, my inner man, my inner being, my inner individual is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Wow. Not just wicked, but desperately wicked. Exceedingly wicked. I mean, it's bad. (laughs) Don't fear. Who can know it? Who Who knows their heart? The Lord searches the heart. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to go back and reread that. It says, I, the Lord, speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, I, the Lord, search the heart. So if he searches the heart, can anybody else do that? Because it just said the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? What individual, what human being can know their heart? It's a rhetorical question. Nobody. Because he answers it, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. I know what's deep down inside of you. You don't even know what you're capable of. You think, if you think you've got it all together and that there's no sin in your life and you don't have to worry about anything, you're good, you better think again. 
And I know this might go against some people what they feel, but the, this, this scripture says that my heart is desperately wicked. I don't even know what's inside of me. I'm not going to get into the story of Job, but suffice it to say that God allowed all these things in Job's life because he was getting at something that was in Job's heart that Job didn't even know was there. And it took all of that stuff happening in his life because he was a man that, that walked after God and he was, he was a friend of God and God was up there bragging on him to the devil. Have you checked out my servant Job? He's one of my favorites. Right? I hope God's saying that about me. I hope that he's saying that about you. But what happened right after that? He said, all right, go mess with him. Now, if, if all hell breaks loose in your life, it's, it's hard not, Sister Linda, to start thinking, oh, my God, where is God? He's just, he just took his hand off me. All this stuff's going on in my life. I'm sick. This is happening. My kids are this. My grand. Oh, all hell's breaking loose. But God's in the middle of it. He's allowing it. He's perfecting you. He's working something out of you. And that's what he did with Job. And when, when Job finally came to himself and realized what was going on, I mean, he had to get in a one-on-one with God. If you look at, if you read that story, I don't ever want to get to the place where God calls me out and starts asking me questions. Like, where were you? Fill in the blank. Where were you? Fill in the blank. Where were you when this happened? Where were you when I created the stars? Where were you when I created the lightning? Job, answer me. That's how you talk to him, right? And so I want to I want to be humble before God. I want to I want to read this scripture and, and acknowledge that I don't know my heart. But it's up to me to keep my heart with all diligence. Because out of it are the issues of life. And this, this life on this earth is not the life we're looking to, to end with. It's the one up there. And I don't want to miss out with him. And so it says here he tries the reins. He purposely puts us through rigorous testing and trials to help us become perfected according to what he sees and not according to what we or others see. It's easy to look at somebody else's life and all hell breaking loose in their life, and you look at them and you think to yourself, well, they don't have a relationship with God. Look at their life. Well, you don't know. You don't know what they're going You don't know what their prayer life is like. You don't know anything. All you know is what you see. And so it's hard not to look at that and say, oh, God, I thought this was going to be a rose garden. Didn't he say that somewhere? Didn't God say, oh, no, that was a song. Well, that, that song actually said, I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. That was probably God's words. Because <laughs> he didn't. He did. He did. Jesus did tell us that we would be suffer persecution for his namesake. He said we'd be hated of all men for his namesake. Hallelujah. Right? We, we're smiling now. But what are you going to do when you're deep in the middle of that? And there's nobody, no sister, brother around to help you. What are you going to do? How are you going to respond? It all depends on this. 
So uh, that little picture there of the guy on the bicycle is there for a reason. It's not just some picture my wife picked out. We, we picked it out together. Because uh, to me, this, this relationship thing with God is kind of like riding a bike. You know, how many remember when you first got your first tricycle? All the old people aren't raising their <laughs> I remember. Mine was a big wheel, actually. Big wheel was easy to ride because it had three wheels. You didn't have to balance anything. Well, then I got my first bike. And I don't remember if we had training wheels or not. We might have. But tra- it seemed like it was an easy thing to do when they stuck those training wheels on there, right? As long as you weren't in the grass or on gravel or something. Life was good. You could just down the street with those training wheels, and if you were wobbly a little bit, they would just get you back on course, right? You got kind of used to those training wheels being there. Then all of a sudden, one day, they took them off. That guy right there in that picture probably started out on a bike with training wheels. Now look at him. He's out there racing. He's not even, he don't even have his hands on the handlebars. I got like that when I was had a 10-speed bike like that. I could, in the summertime, I could ride from my house to the pool about three miles all the way without touching the handlebars, make all the turns and everything. If I tried to do that now, <laughs> that's why I have a helmet for my bike. <laughs> I, I could probably do it if I practiced. I mean, riding a bike's one thing, but doing it without hands is, it's about, it's all about balance, isn't it? Even that guy right there. There's laws and things that are in play in that picture right there that that he has to respect and honor those. And it's all about a relationship with him, with the law of gravity, the bike, and the, the road that he's on. All of those have something going on in that whole picture. He makes it look easy. Right? But having a relationship is not easy. You know, anybody ever in here rode a motor, a unicycle? Anybody ever tried? I did. I almost got it. That is a challenge. Have you ever seen somebody ride a unicycle? And then they're, they're juggling stuff while they're riding it, and you're going, oh, my goodness, how are they doing that? Well, it didn't start out that way. They had a lot of splats on the concrete with their face, and, and there was a lot of lot of practice that went into that to ride that unicycle just to just to be able to ride the unicycle and keep it up. Then they added in the juggling or whatever else they were doing. Right? So it looks easy when you see the guy doing it, but if you think about it's just like anything else, playing a keyboard or anything else, it takes practice, 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 practice to get really good. I like to listen to some soft jazz on, on XM, and there's a lot of these artists that they, from time to time, they highlight these artists, and they get to talking to them, and they, they say, you know, I remember when I first picked up my first guitar or this or, you know, whatever instrument, and I couldn't, I couldn't play that thing to save my life, and here they are, you know, a professional performer now. How did they get there? Lots of practice. So are you, Brother DeMuth, are you saying that in this thing, this relationship thing with God, that it, it takes practice? Yes. It's a process. It has to happen every day. So if you practice a little, 
you might be so-so at whatever you're practicing at, right? You just practice it once a week for an hour. You, you, you can play. You're just not going to play very good unless you just have some kind of gift. Then you don't need to practice. Even people with a gift have to practice, right? And so we got, we got some issues that we got to deal with in our relationship with God because it's not just going to go perfect. Life comes at you. We have families. We have situations in our life that can affect our relationship with God. We have relationships with other people. That if it wasn't for the grace of God in our relationship with Him, I don't know how these relationships would work out, and some of them don't. But we got to keep this one going. Romans seven fourteen through 25 talks about one of the reasons that we got to keep our heart with all diligence. We got to keep this relationship thing going. It's it's an it's an ongoing thing. And before I read this, I I just wanted to briefly talk about, you know, you remember when y'all were young in love? Huh? And you were dating. Carol, remember that? Huh? Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. You will. You will. Well, I was. We were in the military when I met my wife, and she was on a different floor than me, female floor, and I was on the male floor. And there was a stairwell in between. And every day after school, we'd meet on that floor, and we'd sit there for hours. And if I couldn't see her, we'd be on the phone. And I just wanted to hear her talk. I didn't. I didn't care. I didn't have anything to say. I just wanted to hear her voice. You know, the sultry sound of her voice talking. Right? Was it that way? Right? Couldn't wait to be with each other 24-7. Nothing else mattered. Guys were going to movie. Ah, it's okay. Right? And wasn't it like that when we got into our relationship with God, when we first got in church, when we first got saved? Man, we, the, we couldn't wait for work to be over so we could, oh, man, church is tonight. I can't wait to get to church. I can't wait to see the people of God. I know the preacher's going to preach. Ah, oh, man, I love that church. Oh, this life is great. You ever met anybody like that? Just full of zeal? You were like that. I was like that. I don't think I'm like that as much. Sad to say, everybody's going, Ugh, don't talk about that, Brother Demune. But that's what happens. Now, 37 years later, it takes effort. I have to be intentional. You have to be intentional with a relationship for it to work. Like Brother Vitito used to say in, in Louisville, he said, I told my wife once I loved her, and, and I told her if I, did, if I changed my mind, I'd let her know. <laughs> and everybody in church chuckled and laughed because they knew that wasn't true. But that's how we approach our relationship with people. God forbid we reproach our relationship with God that way. And if we do, we, we can expect nothing less than all kinds of trouble. Because God's going to be like, well, if you don't want to talk to me, I don't want to talk to you. Because he's not going to force us. I didn't, I didn't force her to be in a relationship with me. She didn't force me to be in a relationship with her. We both wanted it. And really, as you get older, you have to be intentional. We have to 
you know, we had when my when my when we were raising our kids, we intentionally had date night once a week. I don't know how we did it. If we got a babysitter, I can't remember. But we intentionally, and we've told our sons, you got to have a date night. You got to keep that relationship fresh, and because if you don't, you're going to get to the the moment when all the kids move out, and you're not going to have anything, no foundation of a relationship to go on from that point. And a lot of relationships end at that point. Called the empty nest syndrome, and so we got to be careful. We got to. That's why that proverb is there, among others. We got to keep our heart with all diligence. It's it's your salvation. Seek out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I can't save you, Miriam. Nobody in this room can save you. Only Jesus can save you, and only Miriam can keep that relationship alive with Him. I can tell you to do it. I can come back there and shake you and make try to make you do it, but it's not going to work, is it? You got to want to. Brother Oggs used to preach a message. You got to have a want to. Okay, the sin nature still remains. Romans seven fourteen. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Who's speaking? Right there, Paul. Book of Romans, verse. Chapter 7, verse 14. Paul is speaking of himself. Is he not? For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do, that do I. If then I do not do that which I would not, and consent unto the law, that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin, the sin nature, that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, or or my fleshly nature, dwelleth no good thing. Isn't that kind of what the, the proverb said? Our heart's desperately wicked. There's nothing good in us. Nothing. Paul's acknowledging that. Hallelujah. For I know that <clears throat> for the good that I... Would do that, but for the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, how many of us find ourselves in this place right here? When I would do good, evil is present with me. Man, God, why can't I quit doing that? Because of your sin nature, it's there. Just because we got baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost doesn't mean that our sin nature just magically disappeared. It didn't. But he gave us a way to overcome that sin nature. He gave us the Holy Ghost. He gave us his blood. He gave us his spirit to talk to us and convict us and say, hey. And and so it's important that you're listening. Relationships are all about talking and listening. We spend a lot of time talking to God and very little time, if any, listening to God. Listening for what He has to say. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, my inner man. I want to serve God. I want to serve Him down here in my spirit. I want to serve Him, but why do I keep having these problems? Why do I keep slipping the tongue? Why do I keep... Blessing out the drivers. Why do I keep doing this stuff? 
But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He just answered his own question. The only one that's going to deliver me out of this is the one that saved me. I've got to keep a relationship with him. That's what Paul's saying. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. But thank, he said, thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord that I have a way. I have an advocate with the Father, the Bible says. Jesus Christ the righteous. So the only way to overcome the trials and temptations of this life is a complete and total trust and commitment unto Jesus Christ. A committed relationship. And so our relationship with Him is this way. It's vertical. And so it's really important that we keep this relationship in tune and intact. So what does that mean? How often do you spend time with God? Yes. All day. Now, I go to work at, and I, my, my feeling is that I, I owe my boss, I owe my employer eight hours of work for eight hours of pay. But they are kind enough to give me some break times. And the way my job is, I pretty much run my own tickets, and I don't, nobody tells me, okay, get up and go do this and get up and go do that. I just kind of manage my own day. And so there's a lot of <coughs> downtime periods in between there. And I could be looking at stuff on YouTube or whatever, but I really try. Sometimes I don't do as well as others. But for the most part, I try to use those times to talk to God and to listen to God. There's a lot of times I have to walk down those hallways and it, it might I might be out there for 30 or 40 minutes and, in, in, and I've got that mask on my face. And so I'm just talking to God, talking in tongues, listening to God, singing, singing praises to him. I, I use that time. I utilize that time because I don't want to just give him an hour in the morning or 30 minutes and just say, I'm, I'll see you tonight. Right? How long would I have been stayed married to this lady back here if I had treated her like that? Not very long. Like Brother Vitito said, I told you I loved you. If I change my mind, I'll tell you. It's not the kind of relationship we have with God. Relationships have don't happen by accident. We didn't just accidentally get saved. We we decided when there was an altar call, when, when a preacher was preaching and we felt the conviction and the power of God in our life, we made a decision, I want that. I want that relationship. I want to go spend time with him. And, and it, like I was saying earlier at the very beginning, it was we were so zealous and it was so exciting. And then over time, it just kind of starts to wane. And we got to be careful. We got to be careful of that. Because that, that, that is the trick of the enemy. He's not necessarily going to just bring blatant sin into our life. He just, you know, Brother Parker has read that story about the devil and how he's working at keeping everybody busy doing other stuff so they don't have time to think about serving God. And isn't that true? Isn't that true? And so, as I said earlier, it's got to be intentional. 
you've got to determine that what's more, the most important thing to me in my life right now is spending time with Jesus. And he knows. Believe it or not, he actually knows that we have a life. He knows that we have issues with family members. He knows that we have sicknesses and bills to pay. He knows all that. He knows. He, and didn't he say that he'd take care of all those things? Didn't he say that we're more, more valuable than all those sparrows and all those other things that he talked about in that scripture? And, and so, he, like he asked those disciples in that ship, Oh, you have little faith. Why, why didn't you believe that I would just take care of the storm? Right? But we're flesh, we're human, and he understands that. So the most successful relationships with people or God or any, anything is those that are intentional. And that, that guy in that picture is, has, is, let me see if I can say this without stumbling over my words. Blah, 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 blah. He was very intentional to get to that point where he was a professional cyclist. I guess he looks like one in that picture, right? He had, he had to be intentional. If he, he might be at the Olympics for all I know, but he had to be intentional about his relationship with that bike to get to the place where he could rate being able to go race in a race like that. And so if we're going to have, if we're going to do the things that God wants us to do in this, in these last days, we're going to have to be intentional with our relationship with him. You know, I, I heard a preacher preach this one time. He said, if we'll keep this relationship intact and strong all these relationships that go this way they'll almost take care of themselves because everything we do based on this relationship we'll be listening if if it's the, if it's the if it's a healthy relationship we'll be listening to God and he'll actually tell us what to do what to say where to go how to deal with these situations down here and he actually told us in several places in the New Testament when he said things like, cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. That's all the stuff you care about. We care about our kids, don't we? We care about our spouse, don't we? Care about our lost family members. I got lots of them. I care about them. But I don't fret about it. I don't worry about it. I don't lose sleep at night over it. I just give them to God. I plead the blood over them every night. We lay there in that bed together and we pray over every family member, over the city that we live in, over this church, over this city. We, we plead the blood every night over our grandkids, our sons, our daughters, all of that. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. And, and, and the Bible says that the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. But it's just not enough to just pray some prayers. You've got to have a connection you got to have that connection. He'll actually tell you what to pray for and how to pray. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? If you listen, as one preacher said, God's always talking. We're just not listening. There's stuff he's trying to tell us to do, and we're busy listening to everything else going on around us. And it's all there to distract us. It's all there to keep us our focus away from God and on other things. And so we have to be intentional. 
Because it is a love relationship, isn't it? We love Him. Why? Because He first loved us. And He gave Himself for us. No greater love. That's an awesome song, Sister Becker. No greater love. They hung Him high. They stretched Him high. That's love. That's love. I'm getting chills just talking about it. Whew. Hallelujah. That's love. That's love. Nobody's done that for me. Nobody. He died for me. He died for you. Because he wanted to have a relationship with you and with me individually. And you can't overwhelm God in your relationship. He's got it all together. He can have an individual relationship with each one of us and know every little detail of our life and know what we need and what we don't need. And when you have that kind of relationship, you'll know when it's time to pray against something that's happened in your life and when it's time to just shut up. He's got that in your life for a reason. Don't pray yourself out of that because it's there to help you. But if we're... If we don't have a relationship with God, every little bad thing that happens in our life, we just want to pray it away. You know, those guys in that ship, when the, when the storm came, that, was, that, was, that happened for a reason. God didn't do anything by accident. He, they even said it when it was all said and done. He commands the wind and the waves. He's, he's in control of your life, whether you believe it or not. And you should believe it. Amen? We're not here in Wisconsin by accident, Sister Becker. I say that by the grace and mercy of God. I don't necessarily say that by the flesh. (laughs) But I know that He sent us here. And what my flesh thinks really doesn't matter. Does it? Because I want to be pleasing to God. And I've had to tell several family members, I'm sorry. I understand. I, it's very, very, it makes me feel great that you want me to come home. And I love my sisters and brothers. I love my family. I love my grandkids. And I've had all kinds of guilt trips and everything laid on me over that. But my answer just very calmly is, and if you can convince God to tell me that it's time for me to come back to Kentucky, more power to you. But until he tells me to, you know, Mark Morgan preached a message one time, and he said, "Whatever he, the last thing God told you to do, you better be standing right there wherever he left you, and don't make a move until he tells you to move again. Because he might have you right there for a reason. And if you start moving and getting out of the will of God, who knows what's going to happen? You might end up in the belly of a whale. Right? Jonah, <laughs> that's not in there by accident. <laughs> Lesson. So that's where I am. I don't, I don't want to be out of the will of God. So if we, if we diligently maintain and nurture the vertical relationship, the horizontal ones will take care of themselves. If we love the things that God loves, Sister Linda, if we care about the things that God cares about, if we strive to do the will of God, you know, Jesus told the disciples when they asked him, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray, what did he tell them? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Glorify your Father first. 
And then the next thing he told him was to pray, Thy kingdom come, not my kingdom come. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on this earth as you've already done it in heaven. Because God knows the end from the beginning, so in God's mind, his will's already been accomplished. He's just waiting for us to get in line and get, get, on, get where we need to be so his will can be accomplished. And as I bring this to a close, the last scripture, I hope this is all right tonight. John, huh? Okay. If the pastor wants to reach through the internet and tag, pull my coattail, if he's listening, just text me. My phone's back there, but my wife will tell me. Hallelujah. I believe I'm in the will of God anyway, so we're all good. John 15, verse 1 through 5 says, I am the true vine, Jesus speaking, and my father is the husbandman. He's the John 15, 1 through 5. Oh, John 15, 1 through 5. Sorry. I'm human. I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, bearing fruit's a good thing, right? God, I'm bearing fruit. See? I'm connected to the vine. I'm the branch. I'm, I'm bearing fruit, God. Isn't that good? God, and he says, every, every branch that bears fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. That's that tough time you're going through. That's that purging. That's that, that's that silver going through the, the fire one more time to get the dross out. That's the heating up and the cooling down and all the... the Seemingly hell that you're going through in your life. That's what that is. Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me. You know, Jesus said all this with just the most, the most deepest love for us that he could, when he was talking to his disciples, he just said this with so much love. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, Except it abide in the vine. No more can you bear fruit, that's implied, except you abide in me. I am the vine. He reminds us again, you are the branches. Just like he says, you're the clay, I'm the potter. The clay doesn't tell the potter what to make it. The clay just sits there on the wheel and waits for the potter to do his work. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. If you'll just abide in him and let him abide in you, that's, that's that relationship. That's that vertical relationship all day long. If you'll just do that, you'll bring forth much fruit. What kind of fruit? Fruit of the Spirit maybe. Fruit of other souls coming into the kingdom. Whatever fruit he's wanting you to grow. But it's going to be fruit if the relationship's good, if you're connected to the vine and you stay connected to the vine. For without me, you can do, what does that say? Nothing. And in the Greek, it means not one thing. <laughs> he said to keep going. <laughs> he was online. I was checking. 
And so we can't do anything without Him. You can't breathe without Him. How many people since I've been sitting here have said to their heart, beat, beat. Or to their eyes, open, look. To their ears, listen. None of us. You haven't even thought about it. We go through our day and our heart beats and beats and beats and beats and beats and our lungs work and our legs work and we get headaches and just all kinds of stuff happen and we never really think about God's in control of all that. When we wake up in the morning in our bed and we hear the alarm clock going off, do you think about, hey, I mean, the first words out of my mouth, Sister Becker, every day is, in Him I live and move and have my being. Thank you for letting me live through the night and breathe, breathe your air and allowing me to wake up because He could have just let me die in my sleep. I don't know when my time is. That's His business. And so we can't do anything without Him. But we try to do a lot of things without Him. We do. <laughs> we try to do most everything without Him, even in the church. And then we, we try to come up with our plans and we want to, here God, would you bless this? Would you, can you, can you bless my, my good idea, God? Even if it didn't come from you, it's a, still a good one. Right? When instead we should be saying, what do you want me to say, God? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? I wasn't. I wasn't seeking the Lord to come to Wisconsin when he told me to come here. I was, <laughs> yeah, there's a voice back there. <laughs> Absolutely not. But I was seeking the will of God. I was just seeking the will of God. And he, he chose this time and every other time that God's told us to move and, and do go a different place, he's always confirmed it through my wife. This time he didn't. And I thought, sure, he would. And so we waited and fasted some more and prayed, and he wouldn't. But I just kept feeling the strong urging that we needed to go. And so he confirmed it to her later when she met Linda. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. That God sent that lady to help encourage my wife. Now, I'm not trying to lift you up. I'm just saying God knows what he's doing. And now I'm being told by Linda that I can't leave without her permission. Did I say that out loud? I'm just teasing with her. <laughs> she has said that. <laughs> but I have, I have assured her, we're not going anywhere unless I know that God is telling me. And I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, if God starts telling me and my wife to, it's time to move on, you know what? He's going to tell the pastor. He's, he's going to confirm that. I believe that. And so we're, we're, we, we're on his chessboard, folks. He just moves us around at his will. And we need to be willing. You know, it's hard when a church has six or seven or eight preachers and all of a sudden God starts calling them away one by one that that pastor wants to hang on to them but what he needs to do is release them because God has taken them somewhere to do and they might need to be somewhere else for them to be in his will God doesn't make mistakes he doesn't say oh man I didn't mean for you to go to Wisconsin I am so sorry 
<laughs> he's never said that to me, ever. <laughs> Even though I might have sought after it the first winter I was here, ever. Because it was tough. It wasn't easy when we first came up here. It was very, very, very difficult. But God kept us. And he kept our spirit. He kept us encouraged. And we still yet don't really know 100% why we're here. But all I know is that we are right square smack in the middle of the will of God. And I don't want to be anywhere else but right there. He opened that door for that job that I have. He opened the door for that job she has. He opened the door for that house that we have. We weren't. We had no idea. We were not even thinking about thinking about looking for a house. And he just dropped that in our spirit one day, and, and we started questioning it. And, and he just very quietly said to me in my spirit, I got this. Go ahead. Okay? And he did. And so it, it's all about relationship. And I'm not bragging on myself or anything, but my relationship with him has grown in the last six or seven years just being here. But Sister Becker, I don't want it to stop. I've not arrived yet. I'm still, still striving for perfection. I'm still striving to overcome this flesh. I'm still working, and he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be, right? But I have to be willing to submit myself to his will, even when I don't like it, even when it doesn't make sense, especially when we don't like it and it doesn't make sense. That just lets you know what's rising up, and you need to just kill that flesh. Amen? Let's all stand. I'll give you five minutes out early. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. Father, you've been so good to us. You've kept us through the, the wind and the rain, the storms. Not only the storms outside the door, but the storms of life, Father. You've kept us, Lord, and you're keeping us. And you're allowing the trials in our life for your purpose and for your will, for your glory, Lord. For you're working all things together for your good, Lord. And you said that in your word to them that love you and them that are the called according to your purpose. Father, more than anything else tonight in this in this year of 2022, if we don't make any kind of resolution or any kind of promise or commitment to ourselves, let us make that commitment, God, that we will strengthen that relationship, that we will begin to lay aside the unimportant and the unnecessary things, oh God, and that we will begin to focus on our relationship with you because that's the only relationship that matters, oh God, in this life. Because we're not going to be in this life much longer, oh God, we're going to be in glory with you. And so we want to have that relationship. We want to know your still small voice, oh God. We want to know your voice that's speaking to us, oh God, prompting us, oh God, to go to the right hand or to the left, oh God, and to go to whatever city, to, to do whatever you would have us to do, to say whatever you would have us to say, Father. Because you have a plan, you have a purpose, and you have a will, and we want to be right in the middle and in the midst of your perfect will, Father. Whatever we got to go through for your glory, Lord Jesus, they counted themselves worthy that suffered for the name of Jesus, O God, that we would count ourselves worthy, Father, to suffer for the sake of your name in this last day that we're living in. God, you're going to use us mightily, O God, if we will just submit our lives to you. 100%, totally and completely, God. Oh, we love you tonight. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Jesus, we love you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. 
You're worthy, God. You're worthy, God. You're worthy of all the praise. All the glory and all the honor, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you all for coming. Thank everyone that was online, especially the pastor. And uh, looking forward to seeing everybody again on Sunday. As I say to the people at work, the Lord willing and the creek don't rise, we'll be here on Sunday. And uh, Saturday, all those that are online, if you want to pass this on, we are supposed to have prayer. Men's prayer here on Saturday. There's supposed to be some more weather coming in Saturday, so we'll just kind of, what's that? Play it by ear. Yep, I'm going to do my best to be here. 8 o'clock on Saturday, 8 to 9 for men's prayer. We might go out and fellowship. We'll just kind of see how things go. So hopefully the pastor will be able to come, and maybe I'll go buy him breakfast or something. Hallelujah. Father, we love you, and thank you for your people being in the house today. For those online, 